Hello and welcome to Season 3 of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman, and the song you just heard is Gonna Fly Now by Bill Conti, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Lenny Pinto. So Lenny is from Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and won a state title as a junior. Unfortunately, knee injuries derailed his senior year. Lenny chose to attend the University of Nebraska, where lingering knee issues kept him off the mat his redshirt year. But Lenny thrived last year in his first season in the lineup at 184, finishing fifth at the Big Tens and qualifying for the NCAA tournament. I think Lenny is someone Husker coaches and fans are really excited about moving forward, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for this guy. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Lenny Pinto. Uh, how's the semester starting? It's good, you know. Uh, I'm a child, youth, and family studies major. It's something that I'm interested in, and just happens to be that the classes aren't really too challenging. So, mm-hmm. kind of gives me some breathing room with my practice schedule and managing class, and I enjoy it right now. And there's some classes I'm interested in, like addictions and families, mm-hmm. and it teaches you a lot about like addictions within someone's personal self, and then how it affects the people around them. And the class dives really deep into it, and it's just something that I'm interested in. So, there's some classes that I actually like going to every week now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like instead of like nice. dreading going to, you know. Yeah, why, what, why that major? Uh, just because you know, there's um, like I feel like like addiction is actually kind of common, especially in like today's world, and I feel like we all know somebody like one way or another with addiction, and it's nice I think just going into my future to maybe be able to help out some people with like a few addictions, maybe even just like small talk, and maybe just being able to give someone just the smallest amount of encouragement or like a little fact or something to maybe help them change or drop a bad habit or something mm-hmm. and maybe just like for myself so I don't fall into addiction like without seeing it and getting blindsided so kind of gives me the good heads up mm-hmm. how to avoid it what about being addicted to wrestling being addicted to wrestling <laughs> is a tough one you know like the addiction starts young and we all know addiction is uh it's hard to break mm-hmm. and I think a lot of us wrestlers who have been doing this for a long time we have those moments where we're like, I wish I could break the addiction, but you can't because once you fall in love with it, it's a game that you just can't run away from. And and I'm happy I'm still in it, and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the future. Yeah, when did sure. you start? I started uh, like a, like just before I turned five. My dad got me really? into it, yeah. Did your dad wrestle? No, my dad was actually um, he was a high school dropout back in the day, and mm-hmm. he played football and stuff, but him and his brothers were always tough on each other, but... He just had to drop out. He started doing flooring and helped out with the family. So he took another life route, which he ended up being super successful in, but he didn't really have the wrestling experience. But but if you talk to him now, you might think he did wrestle <laughs> because he knows he knows a lot. Yeah. What made him get you into wrestling in the first place then? Uh, well, I'm a baby of five, and I got two brothers. Mm-hmm. And one's 10 years older and one's five years older. So they were already getting into sports. And, like, my dad had brothers growing up, so he was always into the whole sports thing. So my brothers just got into it, and then... I got into it and figured out I was pretty all right at it, so mm-hmm. stuck with it. Yeah. yeah. Did your brothers wrestle then? Yeah, they did. Yeah. My my brother David and, and my brother Paulie both wrestled all the way through high school, mm-hmm. and uh, they um they loved it. My brother Paulie had a lot of issues with his um with um concussions from mm-hmm. like playing football, and doctors actually told him that he maybe shouldn't play anymore. So he also took the route of um of doing flooring with my dad. Now they have a family business called Pinto and Sons, so they do flooring like madmen, and they're good at what they do. But So they're all doing that route together now. But, yeah, Paulie and David both did wrestle, and, and they played football. Mm-hmm. Did you play football then? I did, but I my dad gave me the choice. He, did, like, he didn't force me to do it, but he said if I really wanted to pursue something, like to go D1, 
he said it might be smart to make a choice. And I just came upon the conclusion that I should just stick with wrestling and try to pursue that with, with like, everything I got. Because mm-hmm. in, like, junior high, like, I, I was already getting sprained ankles. And, like, it just, I don't know, I just thought the best choice was to go for wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it was more of a one-on-one kind of thing and, like, something that, like, holds deep value in me. And, like, yeah, it's a team sport, but there's a lot of personal value in wrestling. So yeah. I think that's why I stuck with it mm-hmm. instead of football. So when did you make that decision to stop going out for football? That was eighth grade year. Eighth grade year. So I never got to experience the whole Friday night. Ah, yeah, me either. The Friday night lights thing, mm-hmm. and it, it still burns my heart <laughs> to this day. But, you know, I just never had the size for it. Maybe if I was four inches mm-hmm. taller and maybe 30 pounds heavier, I would have done it. But. Mm-hmm. Well, how big was your school? Because, I mean, you're you're a pretty good-sized kid. Yeah, I was. I mean, Russell's I was definitely good so. size for I was definitely good size for high school ball, but uh, my school was – my class was 500 kids, and the way my school worked was it was – Eighth and ninth grade was in a separate school, mm. and then it was just 10, 11, 12. So, like, middle school and, like, junior high, like, I thought I maybe wasn't going to be big enough because I was only, like, 130. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, kind of doubting the whole size aspect, but I did end up growing to, like, the average high school football size. But mm-hmm. I just figured, like, in the long run, like, I, I knew if I did go to college, like, there's going to be guys, you know, six, three, six, <laughs> like, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you started, that's when you started taking wrestling pretty seriously, was around eighth grade then? Uh, no, I started taking wrestling serious, like, like when I was, like, six. Really? Yeah, because, like, I don't know, because, like, growing up with two older brothers, you know, I was super aggressive. Mm-hmm. I was super aggressive because they, they didn't pick on me, but they picked on me in, like, a brotherly fashion. Of course, yeah. And by the time I got out there at, at like, a young age, I was just kind of vicious on the mat, as my dad would probably say. And by by eight years old, I was, like, competing for, like, the state championship and stuff. So, like, I was already looking at big goals as a young kid. So, mm-hmm. it was, like, it was like it was kind of, like, setting up my future, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, you don't just wrestle in the States, like, as an eight-year-old and be like, this is just for fun. Like, I was all in. And the coaches I had, it was, it was a different kind of lifestyle than most youth athletes, I think, because my coach, he treated us as if, like, we were college athletes. And I don't know if many kids had that experience, but mm-hmm. when you had that kind of guidance and, like, that kind of pressure, it kind of forces you into, like, this, uh, kind of forces you into this, uh, like, maturity aspect mm-hmm. within, like, my competing world. Not as a kid, but, like, in my competition right. level. Like, like I, I did take it seriously from a young age. Hmm. Yeah, I have to agree. I don't know if a lot of younger kids at that age have that intense yeah mentality or practice or whatever like that you had yeah it was it was pretty intense and mm-hmm. honestly it was like some outsiders would maybe say it wasn't okay right but, right but our community mm-hmm. thought it was okay and and we grew together and we were all trusting each other that it was going to work out for us and and a lot of kids that came from where I came from ended up making it pretty successful so mm-hmm. yeah yeah um so you how'd you get hooked up with did you get hooked up with Mikey Labriola too? Because East and he's from Easton. Yeah, he's from about his house is actually thirty minutes away from here, mm-hmm. or well, from my house. Mm-hmm. And I just figured that out when I got to college because they never <laughs> talked. So it's really we friends. That's when we wow. started hanging out. But yeah, uh, growing up in high school, uh, like when I started getting into it, like ninth grade year, he mm-hmm. was like already gone. Mm-hmm. And like some of like the news articles would like refer to me as like the upcoming Mikey Labriola, really? and, like kind of like <laughs> compare my wrestling style to him. Mm-hmm. And I knew of him, but never have I ever, like, spoken to him. But, like, we, like, knew of each other, but I never, like, said a word to him until I even got to, like, Nebraska. So mm-hmm. that's a kind of, like, a funny deal that people, like, always ask about a lot. Yeah. But so never when, talk to him. So when you said that there was a lot of people in your group, you know, that 
had success at the next level like who was who was sort of in that group with you that ran ran around uh in the very beginning you know the guys like um drew munch there was um the coach's son greg bensley and mike bensley um sammy sasso uh julian clebo patrick gould deshaun farber just so many guys (laughs) And there's honestly so many guys that were also there that were a big part that I don't even honestly like right. remember. Guys mm-hmm. like Sean Pearson as well. Like, like there's just so many high-quality names that I could throw out there, but it could take me an hour <laughs> to just spit out who was there. Yeah, and you guys must have had fun together too. I mean, that oh, obviously why you kept going out. I mean, yeah, sure like, it was intense, but. Absolutely. Coach would, like, um, have, like, team sleepovers and stuff as mm-hmm. kids. So, like, that's when we got to experience the whole, like, kid aspect and just have fun and, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. forget about wrestling. And uh, we would always travel together, and whether we were going to, like, Maryland for Mawas, like, we would always go out to boardwalks and stuff and just spend, like, time together. And, and like, like yeah, like, it wasn't always so intense. Like, mm-hmm. Coach um, Coach Van, he, he made it pretty much like a family community as well as a wrestling community, you know, mm-hmm. in the childhood. Yeah. Yeah, so while, like, you know, at times when you were wrestling or when you were competing or practicing, it was, it was probably pretty intense. You guys went hard. Uh, but then afterwards... You guys were able to just be kids and just hang Absolutely. out. Absolutely, it's actually weird, like the like the uh, like the intensity of it, because <laughs> like all the parents, like uh, you would see kids by the end of practice, like within the final twenty minutes, kids would be bawling their eyes out, <laughs> crying, like mm-hmm. just, just having a whole like temper tantrum and uh, just trying to survive. And then by the end of it, kids were laughing, doing cartwheels across the room, like even before we were leaving, just regular kid stuff. And it it was a great time, and it was a really good balance of of how like everything worked mm-hmm. and that's that's what matters the most is the balance absolutely finding a balance or else you ain't gonna make it in mm-hmm. like one or the other so yeah that's really important is finding a balance and so your dad spoke to you and was like all right if you want to go d1 he saw that potential in you yeah. what did that mean i mean did you even consider or even start thinking about college athletics yeah um yeah like growing up like that was always a talk like yeah like, going to college and, like, hearing about all the college athletes, I, I looked at them as, like, complete, like, NFL superstar type deal. I was mm-hmm. like, that's what D1's like. And I was like, I want to go there one day. And I told my dad from a young age, I was like, I'm going to make it there. And as a kid, even I thought it sounded a little crazy, but mm-hmm. every year I got older, I was like, well, this is actually, like, pretty realistic, and this is, like, what people do. So I started pers- I started to pursue it for not only the education, but obviously the whole sports aspect and stuff, so... Mm-hmm. I knew it was getting like realistic by the like middle school, like just growing up and having like a better sense of the world is when I was like, it's actually like a realistic thing that I should really go for. Mm-hmm. And D one was that also the goal too? Yeah, yeah. I didn't really want to settle for anything less because of like, um, just because of like the amount of work that like we were putting in as kids and like the sacrifices I was making as a, as a young kid with my family, and all the things that my mom and dad did for me like as mm-hmm. a kid. I was like, I got to do it for him mm-hmm. and for myself. But but also, like, a big part of it was, like, I wanted to do it for, like, my mom and dad. So mm-hmm. financially, it could be, like, a lot easier on them. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing I told them. And then that's where the whole deal came in when, like, they bought me my first car. If I got to college with <laughs> some kind of scholarship. So mm-hmm. we worked out some deals, and it worked out. Yeah. What about you? So you're, you have five siblings. You have two older brothers, and then you have two sisters. Yeah, too, two right? sisters. What are they up to? Um, what are they... What are they they were also athletes as mm-hmm. young kids. Um, they both played field hockey and basketball. Uh, both of them are 30 years old, so they're 10 years older. So they were already going like 
um, like entering like adulthood just way before I was even getting older. Mm -hmm. But um, they both got, uh, I think one's a car salesman. Actually, I think they're both car salesmen right now. But um, my sister just got engaged, actually. Nice. Congrats. Shout out you, Maria. Congratulations. (laughs) But uh, she just got engaged to a great dude named Dale who's not going to be my brother-in-law. And uh, she has two kids, and I love them both. I've been an uncle since I was 10 because of her, so <laughs> yeah. I got that whole aspect of life as well. But they're up to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. They're pushing along. So are you the youngest? Yeah, I'm the baby. You're the baby. Yeah. Wow. how? So your one brother's five years older than you? Yeah, so three of my siblings are 30. Wow, and then, a bit older. And then Paulie's 24 right now. Mm-hmm. And then there's you. Yep. Then there's me. <laughs> <laughs> did, so where did you get the the athletic ability? Uh, You know. Like, where did your mom do was she in, into sports? Um, she might have played a few sports when mm-hmm. she was younger. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like I always told people that I got it from my dad, you know, my like my my strong dad. But mm-hmm. my mom, like, let me tell you, she is she's one of the toughest women out there, and <laughs> and she's a little old now to go in the octagon. But twenty mm-hmm. years ago, you put her in the octagon, <laughs> and I'm telling you, she would do some damage. She's a tough woman. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of respect for her, but. I think I got it from both of them because my dad's a little bit shorter, but my mom's got the height. She's 5'8". Um, she's tough, man. Like, she used to try to fight me as, a, as like, a middle schooler and high schooler. Like, like if I was acting up, she would throw up the gloves and, like, act like she wanted to fight. But she was just about it. But she's also super sweet and actually really gentle. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she's tough. And my dad, he's a grinder. I said, like, I told you he dropped out, but he was 16 working full-time in a union and now he's no joke. now he's whatever age and he hasn't really stopped. Like he could probably like he don't take many days off. Like he's just grinding through pain. Like whatever he's got to do, like he he makes it happen. Mm-hmm. So I think I got his work ethic for sure. Yeah, sounds like my dad. He, he no days off for that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he has so many vacation days booked up. Like he could literally, if he wanted to, take maybe yeah. three four months off of vaca- sure. straight vacation because he just doesn't take days off. I'm sure, and that's also just how it was back then. You yeah. know, like. Like the whole society aspect changing, like I think it's a little different nowadays because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people back then, like you had to have a work ethic to like survive, you know? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, and so, you know, you get into high school, um, you know, did you have like goals, expectations of how you wanted, how you wanted to do state titles, or did you were you not much of a goal setter where you just take it day by day, no, match by match? I definitely had goals. I had goals from like junior high for my high school experience and uh um I was always told like shoot for the stars you know like like I'm not gonna say my goal is to go out there and uh just place that state's freshman year like I went into high school with the mindset of being a four-time state champion Mm -hmm. and if that didn't happen then my goal was to be a three-time state champion and if that didn't happen then a two-time state Mm -hmm. champion so it was just always looking for the best thing and then and, and and like if I got shot down then there was baby steps and I had smaller goals like maybe in the practice room, if there was things I couldn't get done or things I couldn't do in a match, then I set my then I set tiny goals, and then once I hit those, I still had that top goal of reaching the top of the podium. No, like no matter what the situation was, mm-hmm. because I don't really see the point in shooting for like a goal that's like placing top five. You know, like why place top five when you could take first? Mm-hmm. Like there's really not that much of a separation between you, wherever you are, and the guy at the top. So. I always shoot for the top, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. So then, how disappointing, you know, was it like your freshman year when when it didn't quite go your way? In college? No, in high school. Oh, um, 
Yeah, I was a DMP. I I did not play. Mm-hmm. Um, it was upsetting for sure. You know, like I had a good year, and I lost in the blood round at states, and I realized a few of my issues, and it hurt, but it didn't hurt that bad because I saw potential, and I saw that the goal I had of getting to college, it really wasn't far away, and I was only a freshman, so I was like, I just kept my head high. Like I knew I was young, and I didn't make no excuses. Like. I didn't do the best at states, and I didn't play, so it just is what it is. And then that summer, I, I just went back to work. So, like, it really only sucks for like a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And then like you might think about it eventually here and there, but it ain't that bad because you just get back to work because you know a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. You can't like you can't be held up on one season when I'm 14 years old, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, did you do a lot of summer wrestling? What was that? Did you do a lot of summer wrestling? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Champions are made in the summer. Yeah. That's what my coach always said. You can't just practice during the season and expect to be the best because the guys that are the best, they're putting in work in those two and a half months where guys are out doing whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, if guys are just hanging out, having fun with their friends and not putting in no work, they're going to be – it's only two months of time, but they're going to be a lot more than two two months of time of work, like, away from the guys who are still training. Because once you stop training, it's a bigger setback than if you just kept training. So, mm-hmm. for sure, a lot of summer wrestling, always traveling and stuff doing as much competition as I could with club teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because experience is, is, I think, what gets you there, like, quicker than just hard work. Because experience is going to teach you things that you maybe didn't see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you're wrestling on the big stage, I mean, if you're not getting that experience, Absolutely. you can work as hard as you want. But if you're not wrestling yeah. on the big stage, did you ever have, did you get nervous, you know, when you wrestled on a big stage? Or oh. did you enjoy it? Every time. Yeah? I get nervous every time. Really? Yeah, every single time. Like, like coaches always say it's good to, like, break a sweat, like, before going on the mat. Mm-hmm. I think my nerves almost maybe could have broke a sweat, <laughs> like, like, just alone. Mm-hmm. But the thing I always banked on, because it happened every single time, and, like, I knew I worked hard, so I, I obviously, like, trusted myself going onto the mat. But I think butterflies of just the possibility of things not going your way is what is, is what's, like, a little scary. And, it, and like it is, and it's a one-on-one thing out there. So like, it's not like there's ten other guys on the field right. who could help me out. Like, it's just me. So mm-hmm. I think that's also like what makes it nerve-wracking because if I mess up, it's on me. But the thing I was banked on was every time my foot touched the mat and I was about to go out there to like shake hands and and like it was my turn to wrestle, everything just went away. All the nerves shut off and like I knew it was gonna happen. So even though I was nervous, I never took it too seriously because I knew once it like once it really came to game time, and I stepped on the mat. Like, my mind just went blank, kind of, you know, and just mm-hmm. think about nothing but muscle memory, wrestling, and dog it out for six minutes. In high school, at least it was six right. minutes. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I used to get so terribly nervous. Oh, yeah. I mean, almost too, like, it, it was bad. It was to a fault, basically, mm-hmm. you know? And, Absolutely. And sure, yeah, when I stepped on there, I guess that the nerves went away, but it, it just, like, before the match, it would just eat me alive. It almost makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a super normal thing for all mm-hmm. athletes. It's just, uh, it's just. Uh, I mean, everyone deals with it in like their own way. Like some dudes might, um, I don't know, like put their left shoe on first or like some stuff like that, like a superstition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just always thought, like I worked hard and I've beaten guys before that are also really good. So it's like, don't be too nervous, you know. Just trust what you got and trust the work you put in, and just send it. Mm-hmm. That's send all you can do. Yes. You can't like you can't predict what's like what's really gonna happen. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I like to ask that question. It's because I felt like I was the only one. Yeah, you know that that got nervous, and now since doing this, I'm like, man, 
Like everybody gets nervous. Absolutely. The best get nervous. You could ask the top guys who are retired now who made millions from their sport, <laughs> and they're going to tell you they're probably still nervous thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, are you? Do you still get nervous? Oh, absolutely. It's like especially now because like I thought high school meant the world, but high school was just a setup for getting me here. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm here, this is like now this is like the real deal of college wrestling, and it's like, um, it like it just like it just means a lot to us because of like the work that like it takes to get here. So. Mm-hmm. I take everything very personal in the practice room and on the mat, like competition. So I still get nervous because it means so much to me. And, and like, the fear of losing is obviously just, like, it sucks because no one wants to lose. Yeah. And I hate it, for one. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just hate losing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I, I still get nervous. And that's why I just really try to stick to a hard work ethic and just continue to work hard. So I continue to know that when I go out there and I put my foot on the mat, I am prepared, mm-hmm. even if I'm nervous or not. Like, I, like I know I'm, I know I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Guns loaded, yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, you know, when you came out your fresh or your sophomore year in high school, you bounced back. You got third. You I got third did. In states. I did. I mean, was that still kind of bittersweet though? I mean, obviously you were shooting for first. You know, you got yeah. third, which is. So nothing. speaking on that, like I made a big jump. I went from doing. I went from not placing to taking third, but. Even, like, my sophomore year, like, if I looked back to my freshman year and I just thought about it, I still believe I could have won states my freshman year. Mm-hmm. It just didn't go my way. So going into sophomore year, like, obviously goals set again to win state championship. And I get to I get to the semis and uh, I lose by a point to um, Edmund Ruth. And it was a great match. Um, hats off to him. It was a good match. It was fun to think back on now and... Now those memories are with me forever, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was a good tournament. And um, my coaches told me that this is where you really find out who you are, like going to like the wrestlebacks. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I was in like a big situation of like wrestlebacks that like actually mattered to me. Well, not the first time, but um, you know, it was just the first time I took it seriously. Yeah. And uh, and I had some tough guys that I had to get through to to like get the third. And my coach was like, "Dude, like, like you lost once now, like you already lost the goal of taking first, so." Might as well just boss up and do what you could do and go back and take third now. Don't settle for nothing less and at least get the next best thing. So once I dropped, I I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to exhaust myself. I'm going to get as tired as possible, and I'm going to leave it all out there so I don't got nothing to worry about. And then I just did that, and I and I think I wrestled better in the, in the wrestle back, <laughs> honestly, mm-hmm. like going to take third because I was even more motivated to, like, come back from a loss and prove to myself that, one loss doesn't stop me from, like, being, like, the wrestler that I am, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, you can't let one loss affect you and then throw all, all your skills out the window because then that's just a mentality issue. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make sure that I could still I could still do it. Mm-hmm. And third place as a sophomore out in Pennsylvania, that's... Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. At, a, at a heavier weight, weren't you at 170 at that yeah. point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... There were some big dudes up yeah. there, and they were all older, but... yeah. I liked it. Yeah, there's did, a lot of good competition. Did you wrestle 170 as a freshman? Uh, one, 152. 152. So yeah. you made that. You made a big jump. Yeah. Also, weight wise. Yep. Dang, what was that like? Um, it wasn't really nothing, you know. Um, strength was like, honestly, like you could ask all my coaches. Like my technique wasn't the best growing up, mm-hmm. so strength was something I actually like relied on. So going up, going up two weight classes wasn't something I was nervous about because. I always had trust in my strength mm-hmm. and, like, my explosiveness. So those were two main things that I, I always bank on. And I just made sure to keep them as I went up to 170 mm-hmm. and it worked out. 
When, those guys are tough up there, so I had to keep that or else. Yeah, when when did your technique start to come in then? Um, honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I would say last last year, yeah. like when I got to college, <laughs> and I had a uh, not just one coach like like in high school, like you just have one coach, you know, right. that's like the head coach and kind of teaches everything, and mm-hmm. then all the other guys just help out. But um, college, it's I'm surrounded by so many guys who are just insanely smart in the sport of wrestling for sure that aren't just relying on like um physical skills but actually technique in the sport and uh these guys are like wizards up here Mm -hmm. so i'm learning every single day now more than i probably did my whole life and a lot of people might think it's like all these new moves but for people who aren't like big into like the wrestling world like it's small little technique changes of the same move that you could learn new things about every day like about a high crotch like you could find out like a different place to put your knee on like the penetration shot that's going to change the whole thing or or just multiple different setups from the hand fight to get there and i'm just learning so many small things so i would, I would probably say not till college is when i really started getting like good technique and trying to learn more instead of just dogging it out all the mm-hmm. time yeah isn't it amazing how you think you're so good you know you want like in your instance you want a state title as a junior and you're probably like man i'm i'm, I'm the top dog you know and then you Feels come to, like it, yeah. yeah you come to college and you're like Whoa, I've been missing yeah. so much. Like It was a big realization for me. Mm-hmm. Very humbling. <laughs> I got here and I thought I was starting all over again, like the whole wrestling process. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And that can be defeating sometimes. Like, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you feel like you're really good and then you come here and you're like, wow, I'm not that good. And then you start to question a lot of other things. And Absolutely. Um, but before we get to that, you know, you won, you won state. You finally cracked the top mm-hmm. as a junior at 170. How— how good did that feel? It was awesome. Yeah. It felt great, you know. Like working for a goal for so long and then getting yeah. it. It's just so it's just so satisfying and so like relieving that you didn't just put in the work for nothing. And uh it just felt good, really. It was very um heartwarming, exciting, uh relaxing because I got to take a little chill <laughs> break after that and yeah. just resonate in it, but it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Is Stroudsburg uh where you're from? Is that like a big wrestling um, uh, big wrestling town, big wrestling city. Is there histor- history there? I wouldn't say there's history, mm-hmm. like crazy history, but um, definitely some like significant history was um, a guy named Jake Jacobson. He wrestled at Lehigh. Mm-hmm. He was the first um, state champion in like my whole Monroe County, like ever. Oh, wow. So he was actually from Strasburg and he was, I think, four or three years ahead of me. No, yeah, it was like four or five years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So he got the first state title in the Monroe County and then. I could be wrong, but I think I might have got the second or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Just out of our county, like from like the few local schools, Strasburg was the first one to produce state champs, and Jacobson got the first one. So I guess you could say, yeah, yeah. there's definitely history mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. So it was a big deal, also just just to sort of have somebody from your area in a state oh, yeah. match and win it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was awesome because Jake, um, like we knew him. Mm-hmm. And my brother wrestled with him in the practice room and. He helped me out because I used to go up to the high school practices, and he was a great dude, and his dad was a great guy, and they had a good family. And I think he's, yeah, he's a state trooper now, I believe, so he's really successful doing his thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was nice having someone to um, have show a little bit of guidance and, and prove that you can come out of Strasburg and be a state <laughs> champ, you know? Right. Not that you had to have the best high school practice room in the country just to win PA States. Like, you didn't need mm-hmm. it. Yeah, because, you know, when you look around and you look at some of those – those um 
wrestling teams in, in Pennsylvania. It's, yeah. it's no joke. Like, if you look at their lineups compared Holy to like a regular cow. local, um, uh, like a regular, uh, what's it called? Like a public school. Yeah. 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 It's a, very different. Yeah. And, and so what class were you? I was a class of 21. No, I'm sorry. Uh, class like 1A, 2A. Oh, I was triple A. Triple A. Yeah. Is that the highest class? Triple A would argue, yeah, it's for the toughest. <laughs> but double A, you guys are tough too. Yeah. Triple A, I think yeah. we got it. Is that the is that the biggest class? Uh, yeah, there's only two classes in Pennsylvania. It's just double A and triple A. And I believe double A is just like the schools with a smaller population mm-hmm. and like smaller attendance. Mm-hmm. So that's really like the only difference, I think. Mm-hmm. So triple A was just bigger schools with a lot more guys. Yeah, right. And, you know, me coming from Iowa, like there's there's some more depth there. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, we have 1A and 1A is tough. 2A is tough as well, but 3A just seems to have a lot more depth. That's like, man, yeah. just studs everywhere. Yeah, I was actually really confused about that because I got out here to college and mm-hmm. I met like a lot of cool guys on the team. And, and I just hear them talk about their high school experience and like hearing all these like 3A, 5A, 4A. I'm like, <laughs> what are you guys talking about out here? Like, like how you guys have four or five classes right. like, going into the state championship? I, I just didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, me either. You know, like I, I talked to somebody who who's from Georgia, and they have like five or six classes. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, really. I mean, it's a state championship. <laughs> I don't know how, to be honest. Yeah. Um. So your senior year, um, you know, what I thought was interesting when I was looking into into your wrestling career. You know, your senior year, COVID happened, so you didn't wrestle your senior year. Well, that's not why they wrestle. Um, COVID. So like, COVID was COVID was like right. Or no, that was right before my state title. But my senior year, because I went to who's number one that year, mm-hmm. and I wrestled, and I got hurt in the match. And then my doctor told me to just recover naturally, so I just sat out for the year. And my coach told me, you know, you could just sit out, uh, get a coaching aspect and, like, coaching view of the sport. You know, you could just come to practice and help out the guys and just and just give back to the team. So, of course, I was, I was more than thrilled to do that. But that year, the guys actually did wrestle. There was just a lot less matches. Mm-hmm. And then after regionals, they added a thing called super regional. So moral of the story, by, like by the time you got to states, if you made it to Hershey, it was just eight guys. It was just already the top eight. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty weird. So just the top eight guys went and wrestled for placement rounds. Really? Yeah, so they still made it happen, but. Huh. Yeah. And what are, are, are they normally 32-man brackets? Yeah. 30, yeah, 30, yeah, I think. So you could have. You could have potentially, like, hypothetically, the year before, made it to states, placed, but then not even make it out of your super regional and make it to place the next year because they only placed top eight? Well, super regional, if you made it out of the super regional, mm-hmm. so, like, you had to win super regional, I think. You had to win it. Wait, no. Honestly, I, it's a shot in the dark. Right. I don't That's like, crazy, though, like, remember. that it just... Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, you could have, like a tough regional and not even make it out and have the potential to place in, in other years. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, that one year you, you, you had Lenny Pinto and you're like, well, shoot, I can't beat Lenny Pinto. So I'm not even making it to States now. Possibly. I mean, yeah. that just, yeah, that kind of sucks. It does. <laughs> but you know, COVID sucked. Yeah. Like, the whole thing in general. So they just did the best they could to make it happen. And mm-hmm. they still had to, like, they still held the championships and made it work for the athletes. So, they did the best they could, but definitely a weird year. Yeah. Definitely history. So I guess, yeah, sorry, I got that wrong. So the following year, year, though, you come to Nebraska and you don't wrestle at all either. No. So you're out of wrestling competition for two years. 
Yeah, almost three. Almost three years. Yeah. Because, so. Because you redshirted. Yeah. Well, it, it was a medical redshirt. I, st- I actually still have a redshirt. But, so what happened was, after who's number one, I got hurt. Mm-hmm. Senior year, I didn't wrestle. I took the whole, I took like 10 months off. No surgery. On on what? It was my ACL. And my doctor said uh, it was like a wet noodle. So it was like <laughs> just so stretched out. Mm-hmm. But he said I could just heal naturally. So going on nine, ten months of just like little baby rehab, like I didn't have the best trainer. Like now I got Tyler Rita, who is the best of the best. But I didn't have that back then. So mm-hmm. I just healed naturally. And I started to slowly get back into things and started drilling like before I came out to school here. And then I started wrestling out here, and I was doing good for about four months. I had no issues. I was I was going hard. I was competing, scrapping, but I had a few minor tweaks. Mm-hmm. And then after about two tweaks, and then a third tweak of my knee, they were like, maybe we should just get it looked at, like just in case I did need surgery, just get it done now. And then sure enough, I get the MRI, and a day later at one of the duels, I meet with the doctor, and he's like you have a uh, completely blown out ACL. <laughs> and I was like, I, I kind of laughed at him at first. Because right. like, what do you do in a bad situation? You just kind of laugh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, really? I was like, I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's totally blown out. I was like, all right. And I didn't even really ask because obviously I got news. I was going right, like, right into surgery. Mm-hmm. And then that's when uh, Weida told me I got five days until I go into surgery. And I was like, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm. And then... There's a whole other world of thoughts that come in during a rehab process like that. But, but yeah, that's how that happened. So it was senior year and then all of freshman year and then, like, yeah, however long that is, like two and a half years or something. Jeez. So It was rough. Yeah. So what was it like to not be able to wrestle your senior year? I know you were able to, you know, help out and coach yeah. and, and get that perspective. But, I mean, how would you cope with that? Because that, that can be pretty difficult. Oh, it's definitely difficult. But, um. You know, I kind of just looked at the positive things in my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, still had my family and friends with me. I got my state title. You know, I at least marked that off the list. So I wasn't too stingy about getting two state titles. I was like, I got the one. And then I did like the um, like the aspect of being able to help coach my team mm-hmm. and help out with the guys and look at things from a different point of view. And uh, uh, my relationship with God is super strong, so... That was a big thing. I was like, if this is what he wants to happen, like, just going to let it happen and go about it. And uh, and then, yeah, so that's just how I coped with it. I just looked at the good things in my life and out with the bad. Mm-hmm. Just tried to make the best of a bad situation, you know? Yeah, and one thing before we get to a piece of your college career, when you were in high school, um, I read a story about how you forgot your gear. Oh, yeah. And you had to break into your house, essentially, to get your gear because you didn't have a house key. It's funny when you say that because, <laughs> like, for a second I was like, huh, a story. And then as soon as you said it, yeah, I could envision the whole day like it was yesterday. <laughs> I remember we were getting to the room and, uh, you know, traveling to, like, um, high school tournaments on, like, a weekend or something. Like, mm-hmm. you got to leave at, like, 5 in the morning on the bus with the team and travel. So I was half asleep driving to the thing. And I get there and I'm like, Coach, I uh, I don't got my gear. What gear did you forget? Everything. Like, wrestling, <laughs> singlet, headgear, shoes, like, the whole, like, everything. Like, I couldn't wrestle if I didn't go back to my house. How far away did you live? Um, Like, three exits away. It was, like, ten minutes. but And, and it was, like, all the way, so he okay. just had to pull off the exit to my house. And uh, my coach, uh, uh, Coach Richmond, I don't think he was, I don't think he was too mad, 
Mm. I think he expected it of me, and like he just <laughs> laughed about it. And, Why did he expect it of you? Oh, just because that's his, oh, now I'm a little bit of a forgetful kind of guy. So you know, he's just like he was like, this makes total sense that Lonnie Pinto was the one to forget all of his gear. So we stopped at my house, and I jumped through the window and jumped right back out the window <laughs> and closed it. So that was a good memory, actually. Did you know that window was unlocked? Did you have like? Oh um, no! It no? was just by chance. I was like, hopefully this window's unlocked. And it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you try other windows? Like, was that, like, the only window that was unlocked, or was that the Well, I tried the door, and there was no house key, and then I just tried the first window, which was, like, the laundry room slash bathroom that we got, Mm -hmm. and it was open, so I had to jump (laughs) up and launch myself in there and run as quick as I could, because Coach said, hurry up, so I had to run. (laughs) Dang. So, uh... That's funny. Why did he... Why... Did you, like... Was this a regular occurrence? Did you forget it, like, for practice or anything? Like, uh, I for sure forgot, like, forgot my headgear a few times and had mm-hmm. to, like, use my teammates. And uh, and I'm just, like, the—I was, like, the jokester kind of guy on the yeah. team, you know? Like, I was always trying to bring some kind of laughter. <laughs> so he knew I was just, like, a knucklehead from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So he just—I don't know. He just expected it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe not expect the whole— whole gear like <laughs> all of it but yeah he expected me to like forget something <laughs> but no it was all of it dang and, and where where were your where was your family i mean if it's that like five in the morning five thirty in the morning um, were they just all everybody gone no, good question actually maybe it was a little bit later but my mom also works at a at a junior high school mm-hmm. yeah so my mom works at a junior high school and she leaves at about six so maybe it was like wow. we were leaving at seven yeah so she goes into work early she's a, she's a security guard and at, and at the time, my dad was working nights, so he wouldn't really get home until like six, seven in the morning anyway. So he was probably on his way home that day, but he was he was probably still out and like wherever he was. Dang. Yeah. Did, when did you tell your parents this? Um, probably not till I got to the tournament and talked to him. <laughs> but yeah, I or maybe I called my mom and asked for a house key, and she probably said something like, "I have them." So yeah, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> that was funny though. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> Um, what do you, what led you to Nebraska? Yes, now that we got, got you here, what? So, um, I remember the day I got the call from Coach Snyder. I was, uh, we had a really nice chit chat and it was, it really wasn't even about wrestling. It was more so just like an introduction to who he was and a little bit about me. And we just talked and, um, he just told me about their interest in me. And I went back up to class. I think it was history. And my friend was in there with me and I told him, I was like, yo, you know, Nebraska just called me to to go to school there, and I was like, and he was like, Nebraska. He was like, what? He was, he was like, you ain't gonna go there, are you? I was like, I don't know. I guess we'll see. And then I eventually took my visit out here, and I met the guys on the team, and um, I saw that they had a special bond, and uh, the guys were all close, and they had a really tight pact here. And I met the coaches and Coach Manning, and he was just such a he was such a good dude, you know. He was yeah. very personal, and uh, uh, nothing was too like much of an outburst of wrestling and like they and like they didn't just like suffocate me with all wrestling info it was more about like the school you know and like what they had to offer like academically and then and then I learned that there was a lot of wisdom in this wrestling room and like these guys really knew what they were doing and coach Manning obviously with the experience of coaching JB and just having that world like that world level knowledge I was like I was like these are people I could trust like my future with mm-hmm. and then the teammates just made it better I was like these could be lifelong friends maybe in the future so I just took it into consideration and ended up making the choice. And I and, and then I also loved all the facilities here and and the whole Nebraska fan base. You know, shout out Husker fans, you guys are great. <laughs> yeah, like they really do care about us and and that's also something I like. You know, it's like this is like mm-hmm. the outside support 
it's kind of just some extra motivation and like a drive when I'm out there. Yeah. So I think just all of it really just lined up nicely. And and I also told my parents, even though like it was going to be hard to leave them, I was like, I do want to go the way and like travel and mm-hmm. go far away from school just to like grow up and like see who I am as a person, you know, like all that yeah. kind of stuff. Be on my own, see what I'm good with, see what I'm not good with. But mm-hmm. that whole aspect also played a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Because like near Pennsylvania, there's all sorts of wrestling powers out there yeah. that you could have, you know, handpicked probably yeah, to go yeah. to. So how you ended up here is, is pretty, and, and not even knowing Mikey Labriola, like you, yeah. didn't, you didn't even scroll on the roster to be like, man, who's on this team? Well, no. Oh shoot. Someone <laughs> from Pennsylvania. Well, no, I knew Mike was on the team. Mm-hmm. And like when I came out here, uh, he was like, kind of like my host on my visit, um, him and Taylor, Taylor Vans. And as soon as I got out here, um, me and him just, I don't know, I think we just clicked and, he was funny. I was funny. <laughs> I, I think we made each other laugh, and there was really no sense of like competition between us, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like that just wasn't an issue because we weren't even at the same weight class. But uh, I don't know. I think we just clicked as friends, and you know, he he guided me, showed me the way, you know, on my visit, showed me all around, and just seemed cool. So I was like, hmm. and also not to mention he was one of the top athletes in the whole NCA, mm-hmm. like for wrestling and. I was like, that's some good guidance to someone be behind. So I was like, someone from home, they could like relate to what it's like being like from the East Coast, you know? Because it's a lot of different lifestyle out here. So mm-hmm. me and him yeah. talking about the East Coast, it's like <laughs> these people hearing about aliens talk or something. So it's like a little different. Yeah, so it was just nice to have that connection. Yeah. And did you always know you were gonna go grow into an '84? Um, yeah. You know, junior year, um, I cut from like 185 to 170. Okay. So that was like my first big weight cut. And then I was like, I, and like, well, just getting into like high school, even I was like, you know, my Italian structure, I just got the ability to put on meat. And fat. <laughs> I don't know why, but, and my dad feeds us like horses. So. <laughs> my dad's the chef. So yeah. He cooks us full course entrees for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I immediately oh, knew right. I could stack on weight. So yeah, I knew I was going to get pretty big. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how big, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Have you said, it seems like, well, let me ask, did that two year off? you know, with your injury and then having surgery, did that allow you time to grow into 184? Um, Maybe naturally, but I think for the most part, maybe some of it was like detrimental just because, maybe not detrimental because I actually had a really good lifting coach back at school, mm-hmm. um, Clint Davis. He was he was really good, and, and he still is like a fitness coach, and he does his thing, but uh, he helped me lift. So I did get big, actually, like like in the gym. And it was, it was like the first time I was on like a real weight regiment, mm-hmm. and I was on a diet and like a whole meal plan thing. So I was actually like working things in, but um, I was up to like two hundred seven. But there, wow, yeah, but I had a lot of like thickness on me, you know, a little bit of extra gravy as Coach Man would call it. <laughs> Maybe a lot of extra gravy, but but yeah, I got pretty big. I was like two ten actually. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't really know like how much I was going to be able to cut, but I knew I wasn't a 97-pounder for sure. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know if it was going to be 74 or 84, but I got to 84, and I felt all right, and I was like, I could do this. And mm-hmm. I was comfortable, so that's mm-hmm. kind of just where I balanced out at. Yeah. I was at 84. Yeah. And so um want to talk a little bit about when you when you were hurt, you know. Um, so you were hurt, and you didn't get surgery. And then what was it like hearing a year later after you had been wrestling and whatever that, Hey, you need surgery now. Yeah. I mean, because you said there was a five day window between when you were told and when you had surgery. I mean, that had yeah. to be. It was tough. Yeah. And, uh, so we could dive into it. So, senior year, 
I didn't wrestle. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point pretty quickly where I was like, you know, like I'm, like I'm actually fine with this. I could look at things from a new perspective. I could heal. I could enjoy my senior year without having to worry about wrestling. And I was already committed at that point. So, like, I looked at it as kind of like, you know, a little some extra time to, like, be me, be who I am, hang mm-hmm. out with my friends, spend some quality time with the family. And, uh, and then coming here... And I was like, let's do this. I was like, I'm ready to go. Like yeah. back into the swing of things. I was I was excited. I was ready to compete as a red shirt and I go to the opens and stuff. And then I started tweaking my knee and that's when I had some doubts about like, is my knee really okay? And then the whole surgery announcement from uh Mr. Wita, uh it was a, it was definitely a curveball and and it hurt and I was like I was almost scared actually. Not almost scared, like I, I like I actually was scared. Cause I started to have a lot of thoughts of like, this has gone on two years now of not wrestling. I was yeah. like, had all these kind of dark thoughts about like, am I falling too far behind? Like, is my knee ever gonna hold up? Like, am I am I ever gonna have that health again? Like, like yeah, just all kinds of stuff. And then it was like, and then there was like regular issues like like, do I even want to do this anymore? Because I didn't wrestle in two years and like, now I got to go back into this whole swing of like insanely hard work and like. And that was and that was before, cause I, cause first I had to make it through a full seven months of insanely intense rehab, mm-hmm. and I was like, am I gonna be able to make it through that? And then there was just all kinds of stuff, so it was definitely weird mm-hmm. and stressful for sure. And all that is is just human nature, yeah, just absolutely. natural. I yeah. mean, it's not like you're. It wasn't a, a small surgery, like it's your ACL. Yeah, I mean. 15 years ago, like, that was almost like a death wish. Yeah. If you had to get your ACL reconstructed, it was like, well, you'll never be the same. Yeah, thank God we got the doctors to do now. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can totally understand or empathize with the feeling of, wow. And then yeah. two years is a long time. Now yeah, you're now you feel like you're two years behind. Yeah, because it was, it was one ACL injury, and then I got my hopes up thinking I was all good. Yeah. And then I got a setback, not just a little bit, but like a whole restart on the whole ACL situation after taking a whole year off. So mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, dang, I just missed a whole senior year for what? Just to miss a whole nother year? Right. So it was just a crazy little like situation of, a, of like events that I, that I think, um, you know, I said my I said that my relationship with God was really strong. And after all the dark thoughts and all the warm all, all, and all like the swarming thoughts of like just bad things. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, you know, I thought back to the, you know, actually in a Bible study, I just want to mention this because it was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually just had a Bible study um, Tuesday and we talked about how Jesus was mentioned in the Bible like way, way, way before he even came to earth and God mentioned Jesus was going to come eventually mm-hmm. and that was way before. And I just kind of connected that to my life and my experiences and I thought, you know, like it just reinstated to me that God does have a plan for us, and I did put my full trust in it. So eventually, once I got past all the, like the negative things about the whole surgery, I was like, you know, this is meant for me. This could build my character, and uh, if I'm meant to come out of it and wrestle, then I'm meant to do it. If not, then life's still gonna work out just in a different way. Mm-hmm. So then I just fully committed to trusting all the people around me and the people that were helping me, and I put everything I had into it, and I was like. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But I wasn't going to cut myself short of, like, the possibility of it happening. Mm-hmm. So I just really trusted everybody around me, and I was, like, starting to get motivated. And, and then I was, like, I, like, and then I got to a point where I was, like, you know, 
I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be great. And I'm going to feel great after, and I'm going to be better than I ever was. That, That's remarkable because you you put your trust in people mm-hmm. prior and it didn't work out. Yeah. You know, you still had to have the surgery. You, like you said, you sat out that whole senior year and for what? Yeah. So for you to be able to turn that around and trust people again, yeah. I mean, that, that shows some maturity. Yeah, absolutely. It, and I think, uh, you know, I always think it's where you are. You know, I'm not going to say like, like, um, the doctors aren't smart who right. told me to like have it naturally heal. Like, they just thought it was best, whatever. Like, that happened. And then Wida, you know, I just, like, he's so smart, you know. Like, he <laughs> yeah. knows so much about, like, the body and also, like, mentally. Mm-hmm. And I think his biggest thing is mental. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely say I was a lot more of a mentally weak person, like, before I met Mr. Wida or Tyler Wida. And uh, he helped me through it. He really did. And then the doctor that he set me up with um, – was a very high level doctor who had experience with top level athletes already prior and I was like if I'm gonna trust anyone like it's, it's gonna be this guy who already <laughs> has like who already has done it he's like he's done ACLs he's he's already had athletes like tear stuff and come back from it so I was like I was like I got great guys around me I was like if I'm gonna make it out of anywhere we're, we're like with people like like it's gonna be these people mm-hmm. and I just realized that and I was like let's do it get it done yeah yeah, and Wida, when I had him on here, he said he likes to play mental games with you. Oh yeah, he does. That's like his—I don't know—it's like his thing. Oh, every single, every single day he likes to say something, something new to test me. <laughs> so when you say you're, you know, that going to him all of a sudden now, you know, you're you're a lot mentally tougher. I can see that because yeah, absolutely. He, he seems like one of those guys that sometimes you can't read him very well, so he'll say something and you're like, wait, what? You kind of like look at him like. Yeah, and he's he, he everything he says is almost has a purpose, and sometimes you don't know what the purpose is. Yeah, I told you. Um, <laughs> so like just kind of like to like break it down. So like, not calling anybody out, and, mm-hmm. and like anyone out there who has dealt with this, just now I understand sometimes things are hard, but sometimes um, people get hurt, you know, and they're really not hurt, and then people get injured, mm-hmm. and they're really injured. Yeah. So Wida, Wida definitely he likes to test people, and like if people have a minor injury, you know, like. He wants him to figure it out because Weed is not a he's not a middle school trainer, you know, he's a right. college trainer and like we're grown men, so he doesn't want anyone coming up to him with something that they could fix on their own. Like like if they have a real issue, he's gonna fix it. Right. For sure. So he's just one of those guys who's like, if you're hurt or like injured, then then come to me. But if you're hurt, like stretch, figure it out, whatever. So, um Yeah. But um where was I? No, just, no, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like he doesn't have time to dink around because of a, a fairly minor injury. Yeah, no. Yeah, fairly minor. Like we've all dealt with those things before, right. so like, we could figure him out. Mm-hmm. But obviously when something's a little bit more serious, he's the guy to go to. Yeah. And also, yeah, he doesn't have time for that stuff because a lot of people might not even know this, but Wida is doing more work than probably 75% of the college athletes that are even in college right now. Right. He wakes up in the morning goes on runs that are longer than these, that, you know, these college <laughs> athletes even go for. He does 700 push-ups by the time we even get to the practice room for practice. Like, he's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And he's another motivator because when I hear him talk about the things he's done all the time from 4 in the morning to 7.30 by the time I get to practice, I'm like, how do you even do all that? Yeah. And it's just insane. So knowing that he's also working hard is also really motivating because, like, even our trainer is just a complete dog, mm-hmm. you know? just. 
working it out every single day. Yeah. What's it like wrestling with a torn ACL? I mean, because um, we've we've watched, you know, what happened and see people now. Like, yeah. I think it was Ironman, Austin O'Connor wrestled. Yeah. Spencer Lee, obviously, you know. So I guess um, just provide a little insight into uh, what it's like. I would say. At least what it was like for you. So actually wrestling with a torn ACL, I, I really wouldn't say I've done it besides one time. Mm-hmm. And it was only half a match. I got Adam, who's number one. I tore it, I think, in, like, the second period, and, like, my knee got, like, lockjaw kind of deal. Like, it was stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, freaking out because it, it was, like, literally stuck, like, in, like, a in like a 90-degree angle. Mm-hmm. So I, so I, I kind of had to, like, force it out. And, like, once I forced it out and I stood up, I think that's when all, of like, the adrenaline just went through. Mm-hmm. So I was... I was completely solid for like a minute and a half. Like I, I didn't even know I, I like I like really hurt it until the third period. Like I started to like naturally like move my leg away from the kid, like, yeah. like purposely because like something in my brain was like, don't let him touch his leg. And then uh, and then I I was on the defense and like the with like ten seconds left of the third period and the kid got on my leg and like I just gave up the takedown because I literally felt like my knee was just gonna immediately just pop right out of like just. Just like pop right back out, mm-hmm. so it's definitely scary wrestling with a torn ACL. And then coming to college, after the first tweak, you know, it was probably stretched out, but I don't know. If, well, well, they said it was fully torn, so maybe it was fully torn. But either way, it's just like I think your body naturally tells you to maybe like avoid a few positions, so like you kind of alter your like wrestling mm-hmm. style. But it's really not like too painful or nothing, you know. It's just kind of like because like once it's torn, it's torn. Like there's really no nerves <laughs> that are gonna like tell you it's hurting. Yeah. It's just whether or not it's gonna pop out or not. Yeah. So, so yeah. Props up to those dudes like Austin O'Connor and uh, Spencer Lee because if I had what they had, I don't think I could do it, especially in like a real competition. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty crazy to me. Hats off. Yeah. Sure. So, when you were finally, you know, you won the wrestle off and you were ready to roll as a redshirt, medical redshirt freshman. Yeah. Were you just like a dog in a cage just like <laughs> yeah did you were you almost too excited for your first match because you hadn't competed in in so oh, long yeah you know funny you used to actually say too excited because i experienced that and uh my so my very first match ever was um not our first home duel mm-hmm. because i ended up getting shingles you know oh really yeah it's really crazy actually crazy situation but uh yeah they were all laughing at me we was laughing at me the doctor they were like dude you're 19 with shingles. They were like, how does this even happen? I got shingles too when I was 20. Or yeah, 19. Nuts. yeah. And I didn't even have chicken pox. <laughs> I was, really? Yeah, I, I, I never had chicken pox. So they were like, they were like, can you even get that? And I, I was like, well, obviously, I never had chicken pox. And now I got shingles. <laughs> so I had to deal with that for the week. And then my first match ended up being flying back to the valley to my hometown. Mm-hmm. We're like 20 minutes away from my hometown. And uh, it was right in the gym where like we wrestled like our like our districts at, so it was like very like wow. very like sentimental for me. And I had and I just had a crazy crazy amount of like support there and like family and friends that came out to watch me. And I really wasn't too nervous there, but I guess there was a lot of like subconscious nerves that I had. Mm-hmm. And I went out there for my first match, and I was solid for the first minute, put up some points, and then bam! It's like every single like uh, just like strength every ounce of strength in my body just disappeared and i was out there like a rag doll trying to stand up without falling over it was, mm-hmm. like it was nuts so yeah i was nervous for my first match for sure not oh yeah i thought i was a dog in a cage I ended up not being a dog in a cage <laughs> I, I ended up being a little golden doodle just chilling in the house type of deal you know <laughs> yeah well i want to um so yeah the first duel was against north dakota state yeah um 
and uh, they got you. Well, I didn't wrestle that one. Right, right. Yeah. But they got Nebraska. They beat Nebraska. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I want to ask about that because after a loss like that, it's the first duel out, and you take on a team that you are supposedly favored to beat, and then things don't go your way. Like, after that happened, what, like, what was said in the room or by Manning, like, was there, like, this big rah-rah speech? When something like that happens, you know, from a fan's perspective or from, like, a support perspective, it's almost like the world ends or, like, the yeah, house is on like, fire. I don't know. But what was what was it like, the feeling in in within the team? Was it just like, oh, man, we let one get away and um, on to the next or? No, nah, it, uh, it was actually a lot deeper than that. It was, like, it was actually so deep that there wasn't many words said after that duel. It was kind of just like uh, Coach didn't raise his voice. He didn't yell at us. He just seemed a little shocked and a little disappointed maybe. Um, but he never lost faith in us. Like Even after that duel, at the end of it, when like, we had our team meeting, he just said like, he made sure to tell us that he still did believe in us. And that he still had faith that we can come back in the next duel and be the best team in the country, even after losing the, to that school. And uh, that just meant a lot to us, that he never lost faith in us and that he knew who we were and the skill level that we had. And he saw and witnessed the work that we went through because he put us through it. And I think we all just realized that something was off and it was the first duel this season. And I don't know, things just didn't play our way. And. We came back next week with a whole new perspective, still believing that we could be, could beat or be the best team in the country still. Mm -hmm. So like one loss, that like like it didn't throw us off, mm -hmm. and that's another reason why I told you I came to the school because these guys are a tight family and we all agreed on it together and we and like we realized it together and, and and we all made changes together and I think that's why we made a big jump together as a team because we all believed in each other still even after a loss. Like I wasn't like dang like 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 are we not as good as we thought. Mm -hmm. No, it was just that. We slacked off maybe. We didn't wrestle good, and we, and, we, and we realized, like, all the mistakes that we had and came back with a whole new mindset. And I think maybe they just needed that loss, or I think maybe we needed that loss just to reinstate to us that this ain't going to be no easy road to go down, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to have to be on, on our A game every single duel if we want to be the best. Yeah, and you guys turned out rather quickly. Yeah, I mean, very CKLV was just a few weeks later, a couple weeks later, and you guys— Walked away with what third third team title? Yeah, third in a row. Yep, and I think that's the power of coach having faith in us. You know, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of hard to compete when you have coaches that don't believe in you. But these coaches, anything can go wrong, and like they're still gonna be on our side and still believe in us. And it's just really, um, it's really, uh, what you would call it? That's a candy bar, but uh, <laughs> it's just very comforting to know that you got people that believe in you yeah. and, and when other people believe in you it does help you believe in yourself even more so i think just the whole family and team community that we got here is what keeps us coming back from any kind of losses or whatsoever mm -hmm. yeah i mean you, you kind of talked about your first match out you were good for a minute but there's seven minutes in a match and and then the next six or yeah. five and a half were, were tough sledding um you got six at the CKLV. You made it all the way to the semis. You yeah. beat Trey Munoz on your way there. Like, I mean, it was almost like your coming out party. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, also, like, you said I was a dog in a cage. And I was a dog in a cage, but I wasn't a vicious dog in a cage yet at the beginning of the season because 
obviously coming off of two and a half years of not wrestling, I was I, like, I still had thoughts like, am I gonna be good again? Like, am I still gonna be like the same old Lenny that like that I was? And uh, I wasn't sure. And after my first loss uh, at school or back in the Lehigh Valley for that match against Army and stuff, and I lost. I was like, dang, dude, like, what is going on, mm-hmm. like, with me? And then my coach from when I was young, my club coach, Whitey Klebo, he came up to me and in the back hallway, and another just, just just another great guy who came up to me in the midst of a bad time when I just got off a Lost, he just came up to me and said nothing but that I'm still going to be great. He said he could see it in me, he saw it in me, and he just took time out of his day to come around the corner and tell me that I'm still going to be amazing and have a, a great career and to never think about that loss again because it means absolutely nothing. And I took that to heart, and I went back to practice the next week knowing I could still beat the number one guy in the country. So I practiced like it, and then I started competing like it. And then sure enough, I proved to myself at CKLV that I was capable of doing of doing good things in the sport. So that's what re relit the candle, I mm-hmm. think, in my in my sporting life, mm-hmm. for sure. And then ever since that day, I never had any doubts again about what I could do. Mm-hmm. So now it's like old times again. <laughs> yeah, starting back I up. love it. Um, what's it like wrestling coming in as an underclassman like you are? Um, um, wrestling a heavier weight, like 184. I mean, that's... Yeah, um, like I said, uh, a lot of things, or like the two things I bank on are, are my strength and the, like my explosiveness. And uh, if something ain't broke, don't fix it. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I just stuck with that, and I make sure that uh, those qualities, I hold them close and endear, and I use them. And now I'm trying to put technique with it and uh, just trying to find out like a, little, like a little bit of a new technical style for myself. And uh, and, and you said, how was it wrestling as an underclassman? It's definitely nerve-wracking, you know? Like, I'm wrestling these guys that are, like, you know how it is with COVID and super seniors. Like, some of these guys are 26, like, I'm, I, I was 19 wrestling <laughs> yeah. last year, so it was yeah. like, it was like, it was like these guys are old, like, <laughs> and like they almost got that dad strength almost, you know, like like a maturity. Yeah. And uh, it was a little bit like I don't know, like I feel like at this level, like it, like it's only as deep as you make it. And mentally, with uh, with Weeda's help, I was like, I was pretty mentally strong going into the season. So I was like, it ain't no thing. Like, like they were a freshman once too, and. Now I'm a freshman, and honestly, the freshmen are sometimes hungrier. So, mm-hmm. like, those young bucks coming up, like, you got to be careful. So I just went out there guns blazing, knowing I ain't got too much to lose if I do lose to a senior who's going for their national title this year. So, it, honestly, like, it just encouraged me. I was like, let's do it. I was like, they think I'm the underdog, let's do it. Mm-hmm. I love being an underdog, so. Yeah. I like when people doubt me a little bit on the outside, you know? Mm-hmm. Just extra motivation. Yeah, I think also, you know, over the course of the year, I feel like you slowly became one of the favorites on the team. I think the crowd really enjoys, like you, you said, you like your explosiveness. You put up some points and you pin, you know, yeah. you put up some points. You put some people on their back. Um, you had six pins on the year, you know? Yeah. Like it's hard to pin somebody in college, let alone six, yeah. six times. Absolutely. So. Uh, you know, in practice, I was like trying big things and I went to Fargo once. And I won it, and uh, that just proved to me that I like doing the big stuff, you know. Like mm-hmm. I like doing exciting stuff. So I like I like trying to be a, a pe- like a people pleaser and plead or please the crowd, and mm-hmm. I like making the sport exciting to watch, you know. And I, and like I want people who come out to the matches to have a good time, and 
freak out and see something <laughs> crazy happen. And I mm -hmm. like to be the guy to try to make it happen for him. So mm -hmm. it's a do or die situation, you know, because sometimes you mess up and you can end the match on yourself. <laughs> it's not so great, but, you know, got to make the best of it. Yeah. yeah I like I, I like trying to, I don't know, make a spark. Mm-hmm. Do something crazy. Yeah. Man, I wish they would start uh, the duel at 184. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd like that. But, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm looking here. You, you had six pins, one tech fall, eight major decisions, so 15 of your 24 wins were... I had a tech fall? You did. It's what the site said. That's rare. I don't really get tech falls <laughs> like that. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you sat here, and 15 of your 24 wins were bonus points. Wow. As an underclassman. That's awesome. I mean... Dang. Well, you know, I'm a. That's that's just impressive. Those are just impressive for. Thank you. You know, appreciate it. I know you may not think so because you're expected to. That's something that you expect. Yeah. You know, you, you expect yourself to go out there and dominate, but. Yeah. You know, as as I think as the year went on, you, you kind of, fell into place. Yeah, started to believe in myself a little bit more. Yeah. For sure, and mm -hmm. I think the whole mo like the whole momentum of the team picked up, and I wasn't going to be one to get left behind, so I picked up. I picked it right up with him. Yeah, that, that that can be kind of a fear too, is being the weakest link or being yeah. being the one to kind of hold the team back. And yeah, I mean, you had some big shoes to fill. Taylor Venz was yeah, was talk a, yeah, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, he used to beat me up in the wrestle. Hall. I was like, Damn, dude, yeah. this is the type of stuff I'm gonna have to compete with. Yeah, and, and you did. I mean, you you turned the corner at CKLV, and I mean, th I mean, you just kind of took off from there. Shoot. Yeah, you know. Like, I always had because I know you can't be great without a true belief in yourself. Right. Like, everyone says it. Youth coaches, high school coaches, college coaches, like, they always say you got to believe in yourself. And some kids, like, knock that off, like, like just like a little bit of dust. Mm -hmm. But it's not. Like, that's actually serious. Because if you don't believe in yourself, like, how are you going to expect yourself to win in big moments, you know? Mm -hmm. So even with the whole two years off of wrestling and the whole struggle bus that I had to go through, I still never lost faith, and I just knew I needed time for it to kick in, mm -hmm. and I just kept believing in myself. And surely enough, things start going your way, and you just keep going. Mm -hmm. So, how did you? How long did it take you to recover from from NCAA's? Then, you know, you went one and two, and obviously yeah. that wasn't probably the goal no. um, that or the tournament that you were hoping for. So, how long did it take you to come to terms with that? Uh, if you have, I guess I should say. Oh, I've definitely come to terms with it for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like to dwell on things for too long because, you know, life is short, but also a lot ahead of us. So, um, you know, that day I was kind of like numb. Like mm -hmm. like the day I got knocked out of the tournament, I kind of I just like numbed all my emotions because I didn't even want to think about it. I just wanted to watch my teammates and support them and, and just live through them and just enjoy the moment with them and not be like a, a Debbie Downey or, or whatever they call it. Mm -hmm. But, um... Yeah, so that day I was just like, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, let's support the guys, enjoy our time out in Oklahoma. So until we got back, we're actually like, like just like a minor situation. Like I actually went up to the stands and told my dad, I was like, I was like maybe I ain't that good, dude, you know? Like maybe I'm mm -hmm. not that good to this, just place as a freshman or whatever. But um, after like a week, you know, and talking to my coaches and my teammates and my family and just cooling off for like, like a little bit. Like I just I just had to go a little bit of like self reflection on my year and how things went and I was like and I was like, no, it's not that I'm not capable of doing this stuff, you know. It was just that I made a few mistakes and 
I'll learn for, and like now I have to learn from it and I got to make a few changes. Mm-hmm. So maybe a week or two, my, like my mind process immediately changed to, all right, we got some summer work to do. Uh, you're going to have people doubting you now next year because they don't think you could handle big moments or handle that kind of pressure. And, uh, now I just have a whole nother mindset of just like, just like always, like now I'm shooting for the top goal again. This year as a sophomore, I'm not I'm not going into like nationals trying to, or trying to make it to nationals and saying, uh, I want to place this year. I'm going in there with the mindset of, I want to be standing on the top of the podium at nationals this year in Kansas. So yeah, I, I, it took me about two weeks to get over it. And now I'm fully, fully committed to another great year. And, Hopefully, put on a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the best I could again. Yeah, but yeah, it sucks, you know. Like, like losing is very hard. But, like I said, that's just another reason I came to the school because my coaches, Coach Snyder, he came up uh, in the locker room I, like as soon as I lost that last match, and he just explained to me his personal experience of his days back in college and the struggles that he went through and how bad it hurts and and then like it's, and like it's not normal for it to hurt or to have weird thoughts after about maybe, like, doubting yourself or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just told me that, he, you know, he still loved me, he still believed in me, and that he still thinks I could be great and that I could be a national champ this year. So, you know, like, like when you have people around you that support you like that, you know, it just means a lot. And it's really hard to quit when you have people like that around you that believe in you. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I don't know, it's just, it's just very inspiring. And... Yeah, just inspiring to have people like that continue to believe in you and always be there to support you, mm-hmm. even when things don't go your way. Yeah, for sure. Because sometimes it's hard to do it for yourself. You know, you don't want to be there or whatever. You you're down on yourself, so it always helps to have that extra motivation. Like, all right, well, if I can't do it for myself today, maybe I can do it for Coach Snyder. You know, Absolutely. he believes in me. Maybe I don't believe in myself as much today or whatever, but but Coach Snyder does, so I'm gonna go out there and and do it for him. Yeah, and then you'll you'll get there eventually. Your own mindset, your own mentality. You'll absolutely eventually be like, I believe in myself now. But a couple of days, you might need someone else's help. Um, and that's where um, I think that's where the team aspect of wrestling comes in. Yeah, yeah. I, I did say wrestling is a very personal sport, but for sure. But the team aspect comes when you are around a group of like-minded people mm-hmm. who want to be winners, and guys who devote a lot of time in their life to the sport. And then the coaches that take time out of their days and, and, like, away from their families to come help us. And it's just so much effort going into this team that I feel like it's my job and my, um, uh, like, because, like, everyone is expected to, like, give their best effort. Yeah. So I feel like it is expected of me to do the absolute best I could and perform the best I could for the team. Right. Because if I know there's nine other guys or 35 other guys in the wrestling room doing it, then, like, I have to, too. Mm-hmm. So I just took it, I just took it very personal and to heart that I need to come back stronger and I need to just restart mm-hmm. and do what I could. Yeah, and you know, as we wrap up here, one thing you'll be restarting with is uh, you won't have Robert Kokish. I know that's kind of a bummer. But insert James Green. So I mean, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's definitely bittersweet. You know, James is a great dude. You know, I'm not I'm not very close with him yet because. Uh, he's still transitioning into coming here and stuff, right. whatever. But uh, the team is completely ecstatic to have him and mm-hmm. his his knowledgeable brain and just his uh, his athletic ability and his um, his uh, what you call it his uh, 
his accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a very pronounced person and athlete. So very excited to have him. But Bobby was a one of a kind <laughs> dude, you know, one of a kind dude. Mm-hmm. Can't even explain it to you honestly because it wouldn't even do justice to who he is. But such a good dude. Um, strong in faith, you know. Hardest working dude I've ever met in my life, personally. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in there wrestling with us, beating us up like he could go out and win a national title tomorrow <laughs> if he had to. Isn't that crazy? And that's no joke. Yeah. Like, like he really does. Like, hell of a dude. But, but yeah, losing him and his, just his energy and, um, like, like just and like the effort and whatever he put into the team is, I don't know. It was, it was just amazing and losing him definitely tough, but. You know, he's going to still support us. Mm-hmm. He's still going to be watching, mm-hmm. take a few visits up here. So, But I, I told him, I said, the impact that he left on the team like, is definitely still going to be implemented because it hasn't been long since he left, so it's all the same group of guys that he was just around. And uh, his work ethic definitely spreads to the team. And like the joy of wrestling and just uh, the hard work ethic that he had, like, it's definitely just very ingrained into the team. So... Mm-hmm. He left a big impact. Yeah. For sure. Are you going to miss him more or are you going to miss his kid more? Clay was a cool <laughs> kid, man. He really was. He was in there working out, wrestling with us. But uh, I'm, I'm going to miss Bobby. Yeah. But seeing Clay in the stands and his, and his wrestling singlet's going to, you know, wish you could be there. But yeah. he'll be on there screaming on TV. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, what I want to end with is um, I noticed that you charge $41 for a shout-out on Open Door. Or open doors. Um, have you gotten many requests to do that? Honestly, I didn't set that rate, nor do I know how it works. So I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Like whoever saw that and thinks I think I'm worth forty five dollars for a shout out, that wasn't me. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I could, sh- I, I'll give someone a shout out for free. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty interesting. No, pretty cool to yeah. see. Yeah. So I mean, if you just go on, so if you go on the Husker website, you know the Husker Wrestling website, and you go to the roster and you click on Lenny Pinto. Underneath there, it says follow, and it has, like, your Instagram and your Twitter handle. And then there's this one right in the middle. And if you click on that, it's, like, for personal use. And you can do a shout-out, more options. You can do, like, Lenny will post on social media for you. Really? Yeah. Lenny will attend your practice or event for $58 plus. I didn't even know how to do something like that. But that's awesome. Yeah. I, w- I wonder what the other guys' rates are on the team <laughs> because I'm going to have to get my rate out. <laughs> All right, who do you want to – let's check it out right now. Who do you want to see? Check out Peyton Rob. Peyton Rob, okay. Let's scroll down here. Peyton. I would have to imagine his rate's pretty high. You think so? Yeah. All right, so here we go. We're going to click on Peyton Rob. No, his shout-out is – okay, so his shout-out's 20 bucks. Uh-oh, Peyton, <laughs> what you going to do? <laughs> his post – it says he has a post here of $93, so he will post on social media for 93 bucks. Okay. Oh, yeah, you got me to be a therapist. <laughs> Um, but appearance, Peyton will attend your practice or event for $22. Huh. Well, yeah, then I don't know who's setting these <laughs> I standards, don't know but I don't know who's setting these rates, but. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought us. that was funny. I didn't know if you guys set that up, if you knew anything about that. Yeah, like, so no, I, 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 at least I don't think we do. <laughs> I could be wrong. Oh, uh, that's funny. You know, the whole NIL stuff is so new. Right. Yeah. Coming it's... into like you know like being young like it's not really something I'm focused on because I didn't mm-hmm. reach any of the goals I really want to reach yet. Mm-hmm. So I haven't I, I haven't even really looked into the, like the realms of like nil yet. I'm kind of just waiting until kind of comes to me you know mm-hmm. until I start doing big things and reaching the goals I got. But mm-hmm. for now I'm just devoted to wrestling. So mm-hmm. all that's just new to me. Yeah. Well, I will ask you this then before you go. Um, me and my wife and like you know our friends kind of talk about it. If you could be a 
a supporter or an NIL sponsor of anything, what would it be? Like mine, for instance, I have a crutch for Mountain Dew. So like I'd want to be a sponsor of Mountain Dew so I could get, you know, some free Mountain Dew or something, (laughs) you know? So like if you were to be a sponsor of something, do you have an idea of what it would be? I could be a sponsor for anything. Hmm. It's a tough question, honestly. Like, do you have like a, a crutch or do you have something where you're like, man, I like, like with Marshawn Lynch and his Skittles, you know? I mean, I'm a big Dr. Pepper guy. Really? I love Dr. Pepper. Like, if they wanted me to put a little logo on Dr. <laughs> P on my singlet, I would, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. Yeah. But yeah, Dr. Pepper's one of my things. I like Dr. Pepper. Me and my buddy Josh, kind of Dr. Pepper fanatics. Really? Like, from high school. <laughs> Like traveling, like before I saw the tournament, mm-hmm. like drinking Dr. Pepper's on the bus because I didn't really cut weight. And he was mm-hmm. a 106 pounder who didn't have to cut weight. So we had to hide together and drink Dr. Pepper's on the bus <laughs> and not let the other guy see us. What about your junior year? Uh, I wasn't that, really. That's when you cut. You said yeah, that's when you cut about 15 pounds. Yeah, I cut like an initial 15 and it was tough at first. But once my body started to manage. Oh, did you plateau or did you get down there? Um. Yeah, like I just plateaued at 184 and got comfortable, so it really wasn't a struggle. Yeah. And I didn't really let myself like bounce up to 95 or nothing like that. Yeah. But yeah, Dr. Pepper, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, no, maybe a tattoo shop. (laughs) Really? Yeah, Yeah, I see you got the one on on your, yeah, on your backside there. Right here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For those of you on the podcast who can't see it, it's uh, it's the three crosses, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit inside the EKG heart rate. Just shows that God lives within us, you know, and just a nice reminder. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Lenny Pinto, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover are created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. You can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget to check out my website at letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. Take care. See you next time. Fire, fire.